1: Hello everyone, and welcome back to a super exciting edition, or a dish, should I say, of Culture Vulture. As per usual, I'm joined... Oh, God, there's two abbreviations. A dish, shouldn't. as per year. I'm joined by Liv. That's another abbreviation, because her full name's Olivia. That's true, actually. Liv,
0: how the hell are ya? Yeah, no, doing well. I'm... Oh. I'm just overthinking thinking. okay oh, are you talking to yourself in your head right now? Yeah, honestly, we've just been talking too much about inner monologues or internal monologues or inner voice or whatever you want to call it, and I am just overthinking my thinking right now.
1: I, honestly, I love it, and I'm glad that we're going to have a whole chat today about whether you have an inner monologue or not, or what your inner monologue manifests as, because me and Liv have two different ways of thinking, and we've always wanted to spend a day in each other's brains to see what it's like, and um, today we're going gonna—we're not going to get to go into each other's brains, but we're at least going to describe it to each other, and it'll be so interesting to see if you, beautiful listener, relate to either me or Liv or something else altogether. Naturally, first, we're going to start with Naughty or Nice, where I'm going to talk about Dua Lipa and a copyright lawsuit she's going through at the moment, Liv, which oh, you'll be very, I very familiar with. I saw
0: a headline of this and I really wanted to click on it, but I was on a plane, so I couldn't. Don't worry, because we've done a podcast all about music copyright before, and
1: this falls into that very same category. Oh, I'm so interested. We've also got a slight Kanye West, or yay, um, mention this week. Not a huge one, not dwelling hugely. We did a wonderful, actually, episode that I'm really proud of last week where we spoke about... Bipolar disorder in relation to Kanye, but also in relation to how we treat
0: celebrities, how we treat people, how we treat things we don't understand. Yeah, I would really recommend going and listening to that episode, especially if you're just really confused as to what to think about Mm. this whole Kanye situation and everything that's been going on in social media. So We've had some lovely responses from people who do actually um, live with bipolar disorder
1: and the way that this episode I think spoke to them and put into words maybe what they've been wanting to say but haven't had a platform to say it like we do. Um, and so that has felt really good because it was it was a heavy one it was a big one but um, I definitely recommend going and listening to that. First of all, Olivia, what
0: describes your week? Okay, what describes my week is, have you seen the show, Location, Location, Location? Oh
1: my god, back at it again with the old people, no offence any old people listening,
0: shows. Oh, so many old people shows because I went and visited my parents last week and my mum's obsessed with Location, Location, Location. And you're still young, Anne. Yes, and you she's, she's not even 60 yet, so she's still young, doesn't gossip, honestly. Never says a word. I <laughs> also changed location. Oh. Awesome. So I thought that was good. Yes. Go on. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what described my week. I also had a really horrible plane ride this morning. Mm. It was there was lightning and thunder, and I couldn't see outside the side, and the guy next to me was snoring really, really <laughs> loudly and manspreading, and I could barely fit my seat and it was just Awful. So let's hope that turbulence doesn't
1: describe your week because we just want you to have a bit of a, oh, a, bit of a honestly, steady one.
0: Honestly, yeah, absolutely. I struggle with turbulence
1: anyway. It's so true. Oh, okay, well, location, location, location. Glad to a, have you
0: back in this location. I'm so glad to be back in this location. Um, Luz, what described your week?
1: What described my week was um, startups. So I have been watching The Dropout, which is the TV show about Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, like founder vibes, Fall From Grace. Is it kind of based on the podcast? Yes, it is based on the podcast and based on the true story. And I am loving it. It's amazing. I also started watching We Crashed, which is a Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Yes. Like, I think like eight part series or something about the rise and fall of WeWork. Because you used
0: to work in a WeWork Work, I did.
1: When I lived in Columbia, I worked in a WeWork for some futurists, actually. They didn't predict the crash of WeWork. <laughs> um... But, yeah, so I have been quite wrapped up in, like, the startup world. Also, we've got some really exciting shit-you-should-care-about stuff happening. And I've just been in the zone of, like, just wanting to work, like... I'm not promoting hustle culture at all, but for me, I've just been really. Lucy does thrive off of the hustle, but it's not
0: for everyone. It's
1: not for everyone. It absolutely shouldn't be for everyone. Um, And both the TV shows that I'm watching are about the downfalls of Mm. these founders who hustled too hard and started lying or like got really, you know. Yeah. I'm so intrigued about the WeWork thing because I don't know anything about it. Oh, you should watch it because Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway are fucking amazing in it like it's like you're not watching a startup sort of tv show you're actually yeah. watching like a drama and a love story oh my god really really good these are also um my on my radars to continue watching these everyone i haven't got anything new for you um <laughs> but yeah so hopefully through watching these i'll see how uh, it all went wrong for these other big airs companies and maybe future proof Cisco. <laughs> true true learning from their mistakes yes. always a good way to start now, into Naughty or Nice, Liv, as I mentioned earlier, Jewel Leaper, more like Jewel Lawsuits. <laughs> nah, that was
0: an absolute reach.
1: <laughs> I got our producer laughing. <laughs> was okay. that because
0: of how bad that was, T.I.A.? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's nodding.
1: Absolutely. But if you see it written, actually, no, I did. I Okay. Full disclosure. I wrote about both these things for the newsletter this morning so that I could use them for Naughty or Nice. And when I wrote it, I also had trouble, like, sort of trying to get this pun to translate in text. So now I think maybe it only works in my brain, which... Like, dual Lawsuits, Jewel Dua Lipa. Like I, like, feel like, I see where it's yeah. coming
0: from, but it just, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't perform out loud. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, I'm Does just it- telling you the truth. Oh, seriously? Here I am thinking it landed? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, in case you missed it, and this did happen a while ago, Jewel Lipa has been hit with two lawsuits, both surrounding her song, Levitating. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that's like, oh, yeah. I want you
0: baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone? You're I'm now, levitating. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're aware of the song now? Um, so both lawsuits are for copyright infringements. One comes from a little Florida reggae band called Article Sound System, who yeah. accused Dua Leeper of copying their song Live Your Life. And the second is from songwriters Al Russell-Brown and Sandy Linzer, who say that she stole from two of their songs, Wiggle and Giggle All Night
0: and Don Diablo. What, two songs in the same song? Yeah. Right, so they must have okay. copied one
1: of Yeah, them what from the, the other yeah. plagiarizing
0: themselves. Yeah. So I mean,
1: okay. It's true, Liv. I listen to especially Live Your Life and Levitating mm-hmm. and they do sound incredibly similar. Right. But this takes us back to the exact same conversation that we had on our podcast episode. No, Olivia Rodrigo is not stealing your music, which Mm -hmm. we recorded months ago now, where um, Olivia Rodrigo came under fire for apparently copying Misery Business, the song by Paramore. So... The whole thing here is that basically in Western music, I mean, I'm going to run through this because we did a whole podcast. So I'm going to do it quite quick. In Western music, there are like 12 notes, right? For pop music, mostly majors, there are like seven notes. So you can probably put two and two together and know that there are a handful of progressions and a handful of like melodies uh, that you can like possibly choose from. Mm-hmm. There is still, like, it's possible to make original music, of course it is, and to sound original, but it also is very possible that by accident you might sound like a little unknown reggae band. the time. So this is where musicologists come in, and again, we spoke about this a lot on on our previous podcast episode, but a really well-known musicologist, E. Michael Harrington, who says that Dua Lipa will be fine when it comes to these copyright
0: lawsuits because... Because of what they're actually accusing her for. Yeah.
1: He doesn't think that it has grounds for Uh a lawsuit. He compares it to having a conversation in the English language. Like, Uh there's only a set amount of words, unless you make up. God, I plagiarise myself in conversations
0: all the time. Oh, my God, I
1: know. And he says, like, sometimes this leads to this, leads to this. It's just, like, in
0: music with melodies. Totally. You just get there. You hear one thing, and then your brain... Transfers it into something else and then you do that a couple of times, you got a new song. Yeah. So he said that what juries need to
1: understand is that you can independently come up with the same notes without copying. In the episode that I keep referring to of Culture Vulture that Liv and I already recorded, um, we talked about what is protected under copyright law, which doesn't include things like the key and the tempo and the instrumentation. It it talks about, like, expressions or series of expressions, like a series of lyrics or a series of pitches or rhythms or chords or harmonies that have been done before. And, like, that sounding alike isn't
0: enough. It's not enough. And it should not
1: be enough. It should not be. Well, it just means, for creativity, that sucks because it means that if you think of something yourself... But you don't put it out there because you're too terrified of being taken down because it sounds similar to something it just never
0: creates. So. A hundred percent and it's that whole conversation of like making things commercial and people trying to just grab money from you know, people that are having success with exactly. their songs.
1: That's exactly what it is. And again, in the episode me and Love already recorded, we spoke about Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams' mm-hmm. lawsuit for Blurred Lines, where they actually paid $5 million for plagiarizing, in quotation marks, plagiarizing. Marvin Gaye's got to give it up. And that set a precedent that, like, anyone now
0: can go and say that you copied my work. because that know? Yeah, that one was wild because... It wasn't even the notes or the rhythm or the melody that was, you know, being copied. It was the feel of the song. And as soon as that comes into play, it's like, you can't copyright a feeling. Yes. And I think people were quite mad about that
1: lawsuit in particular because the jury is made up of eight people who aren't musicologists, you know. Yes. like They're not the ones that are going to be able to tell Copying
0: from inspiration or copying an exact thing from a. Ideas a whole different conversation, isn't it? When it's like, who is in the jury?
1: Oh, I know.
0: Who's judging this? Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to leave you all with an excerpt that I agree with from Slate, which took a really deep dive into all the music involved here. When push comes to shove, do I think that Dua Lipa and her team are guilty of copyright infringement? Not at all. But do I think that a jury could be convinced that passages of levitating were plagiarized? Absolutely. And then they basically went on to say that a jury could easily be swayed if you saw it like note by note, side by side, but didn't really understand all the intent
0: or the, and the nuances of this debate. Yeah,
1: and then and then this excerpt finishes with And besides, everyone loves a David and Goliath story. Given the success that Levitating has found, it's easily it's easy to get swept up in the likely false narrative of a struggling artist toiling away in obscurity only for fa- only for a famous pop star to make a smash hit by stealing their work.
0: Yeah, that is so true. It's not these people sitting in their garages or whatever, like writing a song, posting it on social media and then... Dua Lipa coming along, hearing the song and being like, "Oh, that's quite good. I'm going to take it." Like that is yes. absolutely not what would have happened. To you. Like
1: I'm sure there have been cases where that's happened, and if you're an artist and you're struggling and that's happened to you, like then that, that of course sucks. I'm you've got so trust sorry. Issues. But I just think, yeah, David and Goliath story. We always love to tear people down that are doing well. And after the Robin Thicke lawsuit, people were like, "Oh my god, well this kind of sounds like my song. Maybe I can get five mil." For anyway, sure. so that's that's naughty. Yeah, that's that's, naughty, that's story, naughty ads. But really interesting to talk about. The next story, uh, it's quite a quick one. It's mm-hmm. just about Kanye West. He has been banned from Instagram and the Instagrammies. Is
0: <laughs> that better? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. It was a better one. I got a giggle.
1: Yeah. So giggle amid, amidst everything, like everything to do with Yay, which we've spoken about at length um he has been banned well he had a 24 hour freeze on his Instagram account and this was for violating policies on hate speech bullying and harassment this comes after he um commented a racial slur on Trevor Noah's Instagram page. Trevor Noah, who hosts The Daily Show, actually um, made some really good and nuanced comments about Kim and Kanye and like multiple things being true at once. Mm-hmm. Some just really he always has quite smart, smart takes. And um Yeah, he obviously didn't like this, commented something he absolutely shouldn't have. And for his safety, and if you've heard our last podcast episode, you know that we do care about his safety as well as condemn the shit that he does. Um, and for Kim's safety and for everyone else's safety online, Meta, who own Instagram, have decided to take him off the platform for that period of time. Which, Liv, a-, a constant thing that we kept coming back to in the last episode was that Kanye obviously has no one around him that can be a roadblock to him like not posting on social media. And so I'm actually, like, this is the one thing that can be done as one of the big tech platforms gets involved, and they didn't ban him. They didn't, like, take him off forever. They
0: put a 24-hour suspension on him. Yeah, that's... And I think that's a good move. I think it's a really good move. I think it's kind of like taking it out of kind. Taking it out of Ye's hands, whatever way possible. I know. And I guess if no one on his team is doing that, then they've got to step in. That's exactly what I thought.
1: And, and usually they shy away, big tech shies away from any form of regulation or whatever. But in terms of safety, they did have grounds to do this. Like not only Kim, Trevor Noah, like all the impressionable impressionable people mm. looking at it. And I'm like, to be honest, good on you. It's like grounding your child when they've done something wrong. They yeah, need punishment absolutely. to learn. There and, needs to be a ceiling. It yeah, absolutely does. And so because of all of his online behaviour as well, Ye has also been banned from performing at the Grammys, which, again, I am like, there are consequences to your behaviour. Like, we can understand that mental health issues have led you here and we can understand that you are in a state that you can't control, but that means that someone else should step in, has stepped in and... To be honest, like,
0: hopefully these work out in Ye's favour as well. Because, Give him some time to sit back and think about things. And mm, and, and you know that God some, complex that yeah. comes with like, a
1: state of mania is like, well, when you realise you're not God because something steps in to actually be like, no, you can't do this. You've now got a barrier. Yeah, so so I think that's kind of nice. I think it's nice too. I think it's what had to be done. Yeah, absolutely it's what had to be done. But now that we have spoken about all things naughty
0: and all things nice, can we talk about what's going on inside our Heads. oh this is something i talk about way too much Damn. and i even think about way too much <laughs> but when loose said let's do it on in a monologue i was like fuck yeah i'm your girl um mm-hmm. so loose i think we'll start off with a bit of a definition or Next. actually do you want to kind of recap what's been happening on social media with with in a
1: monologues etc yes okay so just quickly back in 2020 someone posted a tweet being like I had no idea that people don't have conversations in their, like, heads that they can hear. Like, actual dialogue, vibes, conversations. This tweet went nuts with most people being like, yeah, I do have that. And then a few people being like, I don't have that. I can't relate and I can't picture what you're saying. Um, and then it sort of became a moment on the internet a few years ago. And from then on, people have been talking about whether you do or whether you don't have an in a monologue or in a speech. I polled the Shit You Should Care About audience on this last week for one of our mundane polls. And on Instagram, 88% of people do have an inner monologue and 12% don't.
0: Mm, On Twitter, it
1: was more like 92% do. Oh, really? And like 8% don't. So that was interesting. But um, bigger audience and bigger
0: sample size because I guess. sample size yeah. on instagram
1: so we'll do 88 88 percent yes I have an inner monologue and twelve percent no now love can you tell us what the definition
0: yes is? so the definition is – um so in in a an inner, mog- an, inner mo- an inner monologue is also referred to as An internal monologue or an internal dialogue. The voice inside your head or an inner voice. um, Basically, is the result of certain brain mechanisms that cause you to sort of hear yourself talk in your head without actually speaking or forming words. So... How does an internal monologue emerge? It is thought to develop in childhood in what's referred to as private speech. And this inner voice can also come in the form of imaginary friends. So you know how kids often have a lot of imaginary friends. It's them sort of forming this inner world. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. Which makes sense because I never had an imaginary friend. Couldn't understand it. No. But also, should we quickly for the people say, I... Have absolutely no relationship to an inner monologue. I don't have one. I can't
0: hear dialogue in my head. Live, interesting. Go on. Yeah, I sort of go in between. Like, I think what we'll get into later is everyone has a sort of internal monologue in terms of internal thoughts, right? Yes. We all have a thought system, but this manifests in different ways, as I'll go into. Um, whereas at the moment we're sort of talking more of this inner voice, kind of hearing someone talk to you in your head. And I definitely go in and out of having this voice. It's not with me constantly. But if I start thinking about thinking, it will appear. If I start overthinking, it will appear. And is it your voice that you hear? I know it's my voice, but it's not necessarily that I hear it as my voice unless I'm like really talking to myself, unless wow. I'm sitting myself down and being like, "Olivia, that was not a nice thing to say." Or like mm,
1: because lots of people uh, have been like sending me emails and stuff and being like, "I'll just be thinking like, oh, I need to go and get bread," or like mm-hmm. or they'll. I've never done the thing where you like apparent, well, apparently apparently mm-hmm. where you like replay a conversation in your head and think about what you should have said or shouldn't have, have said. Have you never done no, that? Because I say everything that's front of mind, and then I feel like, like I think, if you don't have an inner monologue, it's not that you don't think. It's no. just that for me, everything comes out like as soon as it's in my brain, like verbally or I
0: write it out. Yeah, I feel like you don't have a very kind of big barrier between your thoughts and what and you're what expressed. I present. I yeah. know. Whereas I definitely have more of like kind of layers around like what I say, what I think, and kind of maybe overthinking my thoughts and actions and what I'm saying to people in conversation. But it's really interesting because kids, going back to kind of how it develops, kids often start talking to themselves when they learn how to speak. And this often mirrors how people talk around them, like, you know, oh, don't pick your nose at the table. Yes. Or like pick up your toys and stuff. And then kind of they start actually saying these things out loud. So if you watch a little kid kind of when they're just learning to talk and they're learning all of these things, they start talking out loud to themselves, often Mm -hmm. what their parents would say to them. And then sort of over time this becomes internal. Yes. So the University of Michigan psychology professor, Dr. Ethan Cross, says that, says that many think that inner voice is central to how we learn to control ourselves. So it's all about kind of being like, don't do this, do this. And this is why we can get this kind of like quite a bit of a bully in our head. Like also depending on how your parents, you know, talk to you as a kid, Mm -hmm. things like this. Um, But it can also really support your working memory and help you complete everyday tasks. Like if I was like to you, okay, um, in your head, read me, or like what's your phone number? but say it in your head. Like, you can do that, right? Yes. It's like yeah. your working memory, like what you can kind of retain in your head in that moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, as we said before, not everyone feels like they experience this inner voice. Um, but what Cross, the psychologist, says is that every healthy human has some kind of inner monologue, but it manifests in different ways. So this is what we're talking about. Everyone has some sort of thought system, right? Yes,
1: it's not that you don't overthink it's just that you can't hear it
0: yeah well for me it's like it's not well, this I know I overthink kind of voice the yes. tangible voice yes. in your head yes. yes absolutely whereas I think some people actually have like their voice has a tone and stuff yeah. mine doesn't have a tone really I know it's me but it's not really got like an accent mm-hmm. or like yeah. you know that yeah. sort of thing like, some people would have their own voice being
1: like, God, that was stupid, Lucy. Or yeah. like, why the fuck did you do that? Like, yeah. that, they'd be probably able to hear that. But maybe if I talked less out loud, I would actually have more in wow. my Wow, this
0: is, I, I really wonder, like, I haven't looked it up, but the kind of link between extroversion and introversion with this so, inner monologue, like, yeah. all of this sort of shit, right? How we express ourselves, how we've learned to think about it. I'm sure I'm there's sure a correlation. There so according to neurolinguistics research, um, with the inner speech, you almost hear your inner voice. Um, you're as what we were talking about. You're aware of its tone and intonation. Um, for example, the voice can sound angry or worried. Mine definitely has like an intonation, mm. like it has an emotion behind it a oh, lot of yes. the time. Wow, not all of the time, but I don't have a tone. Yes, I don't know how to describe. You know, it. No,
1: I get it. Your because vo- your, your voices often comes come with feelings. Yes,
0: super yeah. emotive, and so. Um, me like, yeah, I get, I'm inside like, your brain. I get it. I, I, get it. I know you. And bear <laughs> in
1: mind, me and Liv are honestly like as close as sisters. So yeah. you are not expected to understand everyone's voice around you. If you don't have an inner monologue, you're not expected to
0: understand no. someone that does. Go like no, I understand Liv. I am an oversharer. Anyway, the inner monologue can apparently be looked at in three different dimensions. So one is whether it's a dialogue or whether it's a monologue. And so are you thinking to yourself like... I need to buy bread. That's a monologue, right? Because it's just involving you. But then you can also, if you think about a conversation you've had or if you think about two different perspectives of like an idea, right? You know how you kind of argue with yourself in your head. Well, I don't. Right. So I
1: don't. That's buzzy to me. Yeah,
0: like I would be like, yeah, but this. No, but (gasps) what about this? And then so that's a dialogue between me and myself Mm. in my head. See, I feel like I internalize
1: those things, but like, it just happens automatically. Like totally. I definitely think about so many perspectives.
0: It's Again, just not verbal. Just can't hear them. It's not verbal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is so relevant, and we will get to kind of all of the different kind of thought processes that people go through. Nice. But the back to the three dimensions yeah. of inner monologues. The second one is condensation. Wow, being able to condense things or when you fog up inside? (laughs) Yeah, I looked at that word and I was like, I'm sure it's condensation. It's not about
1: the weather. We've only used one definition of condensation probably in our lives up until now.
0: literally. Um, But yeah, it is. It's whether you're thinking of things in words or fragments or whole paragraphs and As Lucy, I think you actually said off mic that you have your voice, you do have an internal voice when you're practicing like a speech or something, right? It doesn't happen that often, but there's been a few
1: times I've been on the toilet and I've thought of a funny pun in my head. Bear in mind, it hasn't been like I haven't heard heard it as mm. in someone said it to me it's just come to me mm-hmm. the con- the concept has conceptualized in my mm-hmm. head but then if I want to remember to tell live it I will actively be saying it in my head and like it's almost like I can't get it well, out this is the
0: working memory thing yeah. right? like yeah. you're, you're holding it there so yeah. you can remember it. I can't
1: get it out until I've told you but it's annoying but and it's lucky that doesn't happen to me all the time because it's all I can think about for like that five minutes or whatever until I'm out of the bathroom yeah it like it's like overwhelming yes. yeah
0: so interesting yeah so some people you know they fully talk to themselves in like paragraphs and whatever but or sometimes it's more just like red yeah blue like you know little (laughs) i like red yeah like little bits and pieces um and then the third dimension is intentionality like are you engaging in your inner speech on purpose Mm. which i sometimes do and i think that's when i hear my inner speech the loudest Mm. and the most like like me in a sense yes. when I'm like telling myself yeah literally talking to myself to yourself. yeah yeah and that's more me trying to like interrupt more subconscious thought patterns that maybe are making me anxious or feel mm-hmm. sad about something mm-hmm. and it's like hang on you don't need to be thinking about this or yeah. like it in this way um but then you know sometimes in a speech can just randomly drift to you mm. or it can be like intrusive and yeah. you're not wanting to think about it but it's just kind of like which I imagine out of you.
1: is when people are like I can't get to sleep because mm-hmm. I'm just overthinking overthinking yeah. and it's actually loud it's actually loud. it's not just manifesting in your body like it does for yeah. me if I'm overthinking and I can't sleep it's not that I'm hearing loud thoughts it's that I know there's shit going on that I'm
0: just thinking about yeah and like it's kind of paralyzing yes yeah So, so interesting. Um, Yeah, so there has been this long-held assumption that everyone has an inner voice, but that was actually first challenged in the 90s by Russell Hilbert, um, who was a psychologist. He got his participants. This is actually really interesting. I was going to say,
1: imagine being the person to discover that not everyone thought this. And it's wild
0: because these sort of things, like... These are things that we all sort of know in ourselves. We know how we think if we actually sit down and think about it. But all of these studies have to be done to kind of get that on paper, right? Um, So he got his participants to wear a beeper. And then throughout the day, whenever it beeps, they would have to write down what they were thinking at that moment, right? So say a participant wrote down, I need to buy some bread. And then the researcher would sort of come along and be like... Yeah, but what were you actually thinking? Were you thinking the words, I need to buy bread? Or were you hungry? Or was there just like a bodily sensation that you sort of equated to buying bread? And then this showed that some people had a radio-like voice in their head like most of the time, you know, how we've been saying, actually a voice talking to them. Some had it sometimes, but sort of less of the time. And then some people didn't have any inner speech at all. What they experienced was a combination of images, sensations, and emotions, but not a voice or words yes it's like something
1: has reminded you from like out in the world and then suddenly you just know you just know it's super
0: intuitive right yeah it's a hundred percent wow again like the relationship between how in tune you are with your intuition and with your body and all of the things that you're kind of like feeling right um and so why do we have in a monologues or this kind of like thought system and basically we have internal monologues to help us distinguish between what's going on internally and what's going on outside of us um, so it can help to hear your own voice while because it cancels out like other external stimuli like things going on in your environment yes if you've got something actually kind of loud in your head it helps you focus on what's happening inside and that's why it's really good for when you're problem solving or things like that oh you my god.
1: and this makes so much sense because I get so overstimulated mm. by like everything True. like any noise like anything and I can't focus
0: yeah because I don't
1: have anything in my own head drowning it out whereas
0: I drown out shit yeah. so easy like
1: Liv can read a book in a room, if people Full are talking, talking, people or like music or whatever, because you are probably reading, I'm hearing hung it in into your head. my head. Whereas when I read a book, which is a question I got asked heaps, people were like, "Do you not hear your voice when you're reading?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. I'm just saying shit." But
0: I can understand that because yeah. I feel like when I'm really in the zone, like yeah. you know, in flow, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. When I'm in the zone with reading, I don't hear my yep. voice reading it out. But it's as soon as I'm trying to read and I'm distracted or whatever, that's when my voice will start mm. to kind of get loud in my head. Yep. And
1: that makes such sense. Mm. But I've never heard a voice when I've read something. I mean, I read so much shit online, it's probably yeah. helpful that I don't hear a voice because it'd be too much. And And like... You just don't, and I don't always see images either. No. Like unless it's a good book and I can picture it, it's just like it's literally I'm, going A to B. Yes, right? it's like I'm just swallowing it and I'm understanding it, it information. but there's not this middle like hearing it. But love back to your point, that is mm. so so good. Like it, that makes it make so much sense about um, like the way I get overstimulated by yes. anything because I don't have something like an intermediary drowning, drowning it out, drowning like everything head.
0: out. It yeah. just goes
1: straight to me and then affects me. Like I'm like, holy shit. Get out of the kitchen while yep. I'm cooking. Like, this is too much. Or turn the music down. <gasps> yeah, genuinely. Because oh it's like,
0: we all think differently. Yes. We all have a combination of different thought processes, right? And it's like, but we just all assume that everyone thinks the same as us yeah. and I think that like literally thinking th- the same like, yeah. processes not even like the same ideas right yeah. so it's like this is why we're just a sucker understanding other people I Yes. again.
1: so this is why we're so self like we think oh my god well I can do that easily yeah. so why so can't they? can't it's they. Like, it's because because
0: actually we all think differently, differently like different mechanisms and of until thought. you sit like
1: this and try and like pinpoint it or yeah. you go and talk to a therapist or whatever
0: which is amazing for figuring yourself out like what, like, why would you know that? A hundred percent. And I think this is why people find this whole debate so interesting. Why maybe it blew up on social media is because we all spend a huge chunk of our lives, like in our head, rather whether that is talking to ourselves in our head or whatever, or just sitting there and kind of like being by ourselves, yeah. right? So it's, like, relevant to everyone, this conversation, but it's a really private, intimate experience mm. that we don't usually talk about or even understand yeah. until you sit down and have these sort of conversations. Um, and then also when it's talked about by professionals, the conversation's often filled with jargon Just, yeah. and, like, no one knows what the fuck is going on. Even the term, like, internal monologue. Yeah. Like, that's even hard to kind of get your head around.
1: Which is, like, slight tangent,
0: but... Scientists and academics do the most
1: amazing, amazing work, mm-hmm. but there's always, always, always been the missing piece is, like, translating that work into really understandable communication. Shit. Like, there are people that work their whole lives to write these gorgeous, gorgeous papers, but they're all in black and white, and they're all using words we don't understand. They're finding out amazing shit. Yeah. And, like, until you get someone, like, to come along, read it all... And, like, we're doing talk it in words you understand or illustrate it like the people at the spin-off do for COVID-19 yes. stuff. Like,
0: I'm sorry. I, there's just one missing link. There's Between- a major missing link. Actually, I was talking to my brother's flatmate who was doing a PhD in cardiology or yeah. something, and she was saying the exact same thing. She was saying everyone she works with, like, they just don't know how to communicate all of these amazing findings. Yeah,
1: it's like you have to do a PhD, and mm-hmm. if you want to be able to communicate your wonderful learnings, do either – Find a teammate that's going to do, like, yes. all your comps for you or do one extra year. And, okay, now how do we simplify like scientific everything? communication or something. Yeah.
0: yeah, I know. It's so, so interesting. Anyway, tangent. Yeah, and then so back to kind of how you think about things and maybe it is more, like, in feeling and maybe images, right? There is actually so many ways of thinking about things and this can kind of of be shown so many ways of thinking thinking about about things things. um so this has sort of been discussed in terms of bilingual people and how they think about things um and what language their sort of inner voice is in or yes you know and so studies have suggested that the language that someone is using to think about their experience so we can kind of Um, translate this to images and feelings and emotions as well like actually really changes how you view that experience so it's just like so interesting because we're all processing the world in such a different way and you're sort of processing it in the way that makes sense to the thing
1: you're processing yes I get I did get a few emails of people who are like I'm bilingual in some things I think in my native language and some things I think in English and I'm like Damn, you
0: are doing the most. Literally, and studies have shown that people that use their native language to process like emotional experiences, the emotions hit much harder than if say they're processing it in their second language that yeah. was English and like the emotions are like blunted because they just can't quite well, they wouldn't have all the inner speech,
1: like every single adjective and th- like to really yeah. pinpoint the feeling. Yeah, for
0: sure. That's amazing. Um, and then so people can also think in ways that aren't verbal at all, as we've discussed with images. But one of a really nice and really nice example of this is people with impaired hearing. So they use sign, yeah. like inner sign. Is and of course they
1: do, line? because especially if they've been... Especially if they've been, say, deaf or hard of hearing from birth. Yeah. And they don't have a voice to relate their inner voice to – That's amazing that they have learned... Yeah, so they still
0: talk to themselves, but in just a totally different way. Just a different way. Yeah. And then so in terms of thinking in images, um, there was an early study of visual mental imagery by a psychologist called Francis Galton, who found that a lot of his participants did not consciously experience visual mental images at all. So... He wrote, they have a mental deficiency of which they are unaware. So they were basically unaware that they couldn't think in pictures and mm. thought that people that said they could visualize things were romanticizing it or lying about yeah. it. Because again, so
1: many responses to this poll saying, I have an inner monologue, mm-hmm. but if you told me to picture an apple, mm-hmm. I just can't cannot do, it. do it. Can't picture my auntie, can't picture this,
0: which like, and that, that is to fascinating. Me is so, like, I cannot imagine how people can't visualise things. Okay,
1: love's well, an artist. She's also the creative behind You Should Care About. So imagine if she couldn't visualise things. Honestly,
0: I spend my whole time just, like, on the plane right here. I was just, like, visualising my room.
1: And just thinking <laughs> oh about God. like This I is love what that. I do. You have a very strong like Super you know, strong I'm like if I move this
0: over here, yeah, super strong um facial recognition thing. And like it's like if I move this over here, then this will look like this and this colour scheme with this, like I can mm-hmm. have that held in my head and know yeah. what's gonna work and what's not gonna work. That's amazing. I have that, but only with words.
1: Mm. Like I can visualize things. I can't like Do what you can do about where you can picture a room and like see how it's going to look when Mm -hmm. you've done things. But I, I, like, I've been very lucky when I study or whenever I've been at uni or even at high school, really. Most of my shit's been essay based, and I've never really had to study even in exams because if I write a heading and write like a page of bullet points, I can memorise a whole essay because I can then get into my exam low key photographic, like low key photographic, get into my exam think about it and I can picture the heading and I can picture all the bullet points and I'll just sit there and it's like I'm not even thinking I've always been the first to leave my exams I'll just yeah. write for like an hour and a half and and they do well but it's because I like can just literally it's almost like cheating I can yeah. picture exactly what I need to write and that's what's helped me I love public speaking it helps me because I've never had to write a speech I can just write some bullet points and and like
0: picture in my head the words I need to say and also what really is interesting to me and I'm sure that there are studies done on it but it's like the relationship between maybe your internal monologue not having one and also like confidence yes. because I find the more confident you are like the less you have to think about things internally yes. right so it's like, so, like
1: I don't have this voice an actual voice in my head yeah. being like Lucy you can't do that yeah. or you can't like, like because you fully it. back yourself <laughs> but do you know what I mean like There hasn't been – yeah, okay. Only times when I have been really down, like, throughout Mm -hmm. high school or really anxious Mm -hmm. is when I, like, probably have a louder – not even in a monologue, but louder sense that I can't do something. Yeah, and then therefore you ruminate on
0: it more. Yeah,
1: whereas, like, in the past few years when I've been in the job that I'm meant to do and, like, I've been surrounded by wonderful people who build me up – it's like, yeah. There's not a voice in my head saying you can't do it. It's more a voice. It's more like just being like, well, why
0: couldn't I? Yeah. Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do that's think that, because conf- I've always True. noticed with myself, the more confident I'm feeling, the less you, the less I will like overthink things. But also, like, okay, say if we're in a quiz. Mm, if I'm feeling real confident about something, the more that that knowledge is like instantly accessible to me, yes. and it's not that if I was less confident I didn't know it, I'd still know it. But it's like you can recall not, it better. I, I can recall it better. Yeah, and that's so
1: that's so true because like obviously we hold so much shit yeah. in our heads. That it has to be certain things that trigger you
0: being able to recall it or not. Totally. Like in exams, I used to be really good at exams mm. because I'd feel so confident because I yes. knew I was good at exams, right? Yes. So then I'd like study my notes and whatever, but I'd just go in and I'd know I'd know the answer. Yeah. And yes. And like you know, there's so many people that can't do exams. because It's not that it's they don't not that have they the don't knowledge. Know. Yeah. And I wonder if they're in a monologue
1: when they're doing the exams. It's just constantly like, like really fuck, loud, fuck, like fuck. you can't fucking do this. Yeah. But, and then they can't. At, recall the yeah like, because knowledge. they can't get past just that voice
0: it. Oh, oh so interesting and then, and
1: then maybe that's why some people would do better in an exam if there was music going or like light chatter or something because yes. then they would be able to like drown focus, that out yeah, focus on their voice whereas because it's silent all they can hear is their voice whereas if it's silent all I can hear is like my perfect photographic memory not even yeah. hear it I can just conjure <laughs> yeah. it up like Fuck. and it's just there for the taking. That's why exams suck because not mm. everyone can do exams and not everyone no. can do exams in the way that we have always done them. I for sure. If, yeah, okay. Well, we are unlocking 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 here, Dal. Constantly.
0: Um but back to the sort <laughs> back of, to something. Back to the sort of visual kind of yes. aspect of this. So there's actually um so over the past 10 years neuroscientists neuroscientists have been finding out that people who lean towards visual thinking because you know most people do dabble in visual thinking and some people do it a lot and some people don't at all but those who sort of do lean towards it um rely on two distinct groups of skills so basically two different ways of Mm -hmm. thinking visually so the first one is object visualization which I think is what I was talking about before when I'm like I'm visualizing my room I'm moving my desk over here and I can picture my poster on this wall do you know what I mean like and does this I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here mm -hmm. Is this why you can see,
1: like, the hand sanitizer bottle in front of me, mm-hmm. and you can see it and draw, draw it, it looking exactly like that? Yeah. But if I see that, I can't see any dimensions. I don't know how you make it look round. Yeah. I've got no idea how to draw it. Yeah. It doesn't
0: work. Well, yeah. Probably because I mean I guess there's a whole lot of artists that can draw from their memory, which I'm not that good at. But, but it's even like, that's still
1: the same thing. It's like if yeah. you can picture your bedroom and then you can draw it from memory. Yeah. Like I could picture my bedroom, could not, it could not compare. Yeah,
0: whereas like I could give it a good go. Yes, but also like you know the more ways, the more time you spend thinking in that way, the better you get at it. Yeah. Right. And this is like why people go to therapy because you can change the way you think. Yes.
1: Why people um, go to art school because
0: you can learn these tools that help yeah, you draw exactly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so that's like one kind of visual thinking and that is often people are good at picturing scenes can go down to the detail like yeah there was like three flowers on my desk or whatever um and then also people are really good at distinguishing shades of color so I do think like that is where I sit in this group Mm. like I can just see a color and then mix it and paint it or whatever but that's because I've done it over and over and over yes um often have good visual memory and tend to process the scenes as a whole like so things they'll process the whole of it rather than just like remembering that one thing yeah. that was going on um whereas the other type of visual thinking is spatial visualization this is what i fucking suck at um and these people <laughs> usually do really well at judging distances so we're talking about like gap selections when you're driving relative dimensions how fast things are going um things like that so i suck at that too. yeah i suck at that so like You know, someone who's an engineer or a physicist, they'd be super good at visualizing things. And they often process ideas in terms of, like, diagrams or sort of, like, symbolic representation, like... Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, like sort I of more mathematical,
1: I guess. Yeah, could not if, if a car drove past me unless it was going fucking slow. I would not be able to be like, yeah, that's going seventy five k's an hour. Well, some
0: people can, or they'll be like, oh yeah, that's around about hundred meters away. Like I have no clue, and like how do you even see that far? God no, or like that house is about two hundred square meters, or this way's north.
1: Or, yes, man, no, like, no. Never. Don't even know if we're just adding ourselves for being real shit with directions. Like if yeah. this is even about visualizing stuff. But I'm sorry,
0: where Come am I in the world? Where am I? But I could, what way is up? I could tell you the two different shades of purple. Honestly, yeah. I could I could get that quite right. And I could memorise a thousand words yeah. via five bullet points.
1: But look, yeah. we will not be able to tell you what way is north. No.
0: <laughs> I get lost driving home. Oh, we suck. oh I know. Yeah, so that's kind of the whole down low on internal monologues. But And then when I was researching this, there's also a whole lot of chat. They usually get into the whole like negative self-talk realm, mm-hmm. which – I didn't really want to go into today. But it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So often people that have this really loud inner voice and then they tend to ruminate on things and then, as we talked about before, that kind of bully in your head, just everything you do. Yeah. Often you can't,
1: you don't realize, unless you've been to therapy or you've had really Mm -hmm. good friends or support systems, you don't realize that you can like, like you don't have to listen to it. And over time it
0: will just get quieter and quieter or you can actually change it to become a much more friendly kind of force. Yeah.
1: Like, I always see it as, like, you know, the little Lizzie McGuire's when they yeah. pop on her, her different shoulders. And, totally. And I was telling Liv before we got in, like, I honestly used to think that things like the angel and devil on your shoulder or Lizzie – that actually spoke to you. I was like, surely they have just invented that as a way of showing what your your brain's like yeah. on movies and TV shows. And then to learn that it's like, no, people actually genuinely have. and I know actually do. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's They like, hear
0: someone being like, you're fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, why did you say that? Or, like – they hate you. Yeah. Shit like that, it's, which is just awful. Oh yeah, it, it truly is. But it's so
1: just amazing to have these chats and be like, damn, everyone thinks so differently.
0: So, so Nothing's
1: better. Nothing's worse. And on, the most mm-hmm. important thing is you can
0: learn to work with however you think. Literally. And you can change how you think. Like, there's a thing called neuroplasticity, mm. which is basically your brain reconfiguring itself. Like, it, it's like,
1: if you don't you like making you're making a new thinking, path. Yeah.
0: Yeah, then you can change it. Yeah, it's hard, but you can do it. Good work, team. Mm. Look,
1: if you're out there and and there's something in your head or or we've said something, then you're like, damn, that's me. But I wish that I could think like this. You definitely can, and or you can definitely learn to love the way that you think. We're all special. I love. I love us all. We're all great. And look, I'm never going to be able to look at a map. And I'm just okay with that. Exactly.
0: I've I've come to I've come to the acceptance that that is who I am and who I'll always be because I can't be fuck changing. It. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just like that
1: confident that like sort of bitchy that I've um, silenced every inner voice that could possibly be telling me something other than what I what, don't want to hear.
0: It's on top of the world. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the case, brand And I'm really not a bitch.
1: Anyway, let's, <laughs> what's just in case.
0: what's on your radar? Okay, on my radar is The Gilded Age. I really want to watch it. It's like another period drama. It's got um, Cynthia Nixon, the lady oh, who plays yep. Miranda, and then it's also got the woman from Mama Mia who sings "Does Your Mother Know?" Oh you know, God, the yeah, sort of
1: the brown haired one, yeah. yeah.
0: And apparently, it's quite good. So I think that's on my list. Although. I often never watch no, things say, that I recommend. I've got
1: so I still want to watch Turning Red, the animated movie. Like yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't watched the Andy Warhol Diaries yet. No, I'm gonna keep watching We Crashed and The Dropout. And I'm actually not setting myself up to watch too much more this week because I just I just can't over consumption. Yeah, look, we're just overcommitting on this podcast. <laughs> we anyway, team, uh, as always, huge thank you to T.I. have Butler, our wonderful producer, Liv. Thank you for joining me as per. You are so
0: welcome. Thank you for listening to my psychology lesson. Oh, I love it. And we'll see you again next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more